Hi, and welcome to All This and the Oscars 2, AwardsDaily.com's sometimes frequent biannual weekly podcast on the Oscar race. My name is Sasha Stone. I am the founder and main content provider of AwardsDaily.com. I'm here with three of our writers. We are joined by Ryan Adams, Clarence Moy, and Jalal Haddad, who's joining us for the first time um, on this podcast. And we're very happy to have him and hope he comes back. That's all I'm going to say. I'm mm. not, I'm Hi, everyone. Hi. Hey, welcome, Jalal. Yeah. Welcome. And yeah. no pressure, but maybe next time you can join us. <laughs> um, all right. So the first thing we're talking about up for... for uh, um, God, you know, when Clarence did the interview with the guy from um, the social network movie that we watched, it was so organized mm -hmm. and clean. And like, I can't do this intro as good as he can, but I'll try. Okay, so we're going for the new Academy rules is the first thing we're going to talk about. The good, the bad, and the ugly of the recent changes um, implemented or soon to be implemented by the Academy. Basically what they did, I think, is fire a warning shot. Um, like they did with the popular film category, which uh, which may or may not even be necessary, but we'll see how it goes. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the, the latest wave of films that have come out. So that's uh, Chloe Zhao's Nomadland, which just won the Golden Lion in Venice, and uh, Francis Lee's Ammonite. And we're going to talk a little bit about, perhaps if we have enough time, the box office for Tenant. And the mm -hmm. Oscar um, calendar, which is the last thing I'd like to mention, is talk about when it's when we think that this thing is going to start to heat up. All right, so sounds great. Sounds good. Yeah, so let's start with the Oscar rules. I've already written a lot about how I think about them, so why don't you guys talk about what you think? And feel free to be as honest or you know anything. It's fine. I'll kick it off. Um, I've seen reactions all over the place, and my own personal reaction is somewhere on the... They're almost damned if they do, and the damned if they don't. And when you look at... You know, we heard that they were going to come out with these announcements back early in the summer, and then they said they were going to nail down the details by July 31st. July 31st came and went. We didn't have the details. We just got the details within the past week. And one thing that surprised me was after all of this conversation... Any film could very easily pass these criteria. It's as if they've done nothing to reaffirm diversity or inclusivity within a production. Because not even the first two are the the actors and the stories, and then the the major behind the scenes. But the third and the fourth rule that you could meet are like interns and then publicists. And and you know interns internships and publicists they tend to be in my experience much more diverse than talent than acting talent than filmmaking talent. So just by saying they could meet those two criteria and then still qualify for the Oscars, I think they've shot themselves in the foot. Like I I think I, I saw multiple times on Twitter people say based on their analysis and of course this is very unscientific most of the films nominated within the past 20 years would have still been nominated under these new rules. Hmm. So what have they done ultimately? I, I trust, I don't, I, you know, I wouldn't have the wherewithal to do the research to find right. out whether that's true or false, but it does sound plausible. I do ha I have also heard though, that it does, it, that it's, it's easier for a big studio to fulfill the requirements than it would for independent right. film. And Sasha, you've talked about this too, the smaller the film and the smaller the crew and the less money they have, 
the less likely they're going to be having any anything like an intern to begin with. And but right. whereas the studio can just it doesn't matter. They'll have, you know it's easy for them to get interns, but a smaller independent film would not. On the other hand, those smaller independent films are very rarely get nominated for best picture anyway. I mean, you can kind of count them on the on on the fingers of one hand in the past decade, movies that are so small that they are, wouldn't fulfill those last two requirements. But I do think there has I have seen people say that it does seem like that it favors the big studios. It gives them an easy way out, and whereas the um, smaller productions would have more trouble. And when you said uh, Clarence, I'll just say one more thing that they shot themselves in the foot. I they have done that insofar as People who are looking at most outsiders and most civilians looking at the Oscars are not going to care whether an intern is, is fulfills a requirement exactly. or not. What they're looking at mainly is who, what's on screen, who's on screen. Mm -hmm. and, right. and, so, and some of them may look at uh, the major artists, like the directors, the cinematographers, the editors. Not very many people even do that. But... So if they don't see it there, they're not going to care about the the smaller ways of fulfilling the, the eligibility. It's still going to look like an all. It can still look like very much an all white movie to people. Right. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. I the last thing I'll say, and then I would love to hear what Jalal has to say. But um, because he and I have talked about this before, and and uh, we were anxiously awaiting the details. But the last thing I'll say is I, I, I did find myself in the uncomfortable position of having to agree with Kirstie Alley on Twitter, which no. I never thought that I would. Um, no way. And, and she, well, I know. And she said uh, the Academy has no place in policing art. And I do agree with that. I, I don't think that they should censor art in any way. You know, we, we, we should all hope that they would, that films would be more inclusive, would be more diverse. But... I don't know that it's the place of the Academy to police that. Mm -hmm. My opinion. Uh, right. I'll, I said I wasn't going to say anything more because I really, I, I, for me, I thought it could have been a lot worse. When I saw the, the way that it, what, what they presented what, to us, I thought, okay, this is not as bad as, I, as it could be. And I'm sort of always have the sort of wait and see attitude. It's not going to really take effect. Um, to be an actual requirement until 2020, I mean, 20 until 2024. Right. And so that's, you know, that seems like who knows what the, even the whole um, country is going to be like in 2024. Jesus. There's so many other things for me that are concern me more. When I see that if it, people start com complaining or, or saying that there's a problem, that's when I'll worry about it. But right now it doesn't seem like it's going to be causing anyone a problem for the next three or four years. Any, but aside from that, what other uh, thing I was going to say is, and one of the things I think that someone said uh, that was part of that was part of the announcement is that they may do spot checks on oh, set. God. They may sense. Brain. That's weird. That's strange. That's isn't very. It? That's McCarthy-esque, man. That's bizarre. Yeah, I know. It's Big Brother. That's, and even the fact of that's an awkward position to put someone in when you're when you're um, hiring people for your movie to inquire about their sexual inclination their sexual and uh and and, and even and even their um their background their racial yeah, that's background fuck that man that's that's a jello what do you think let's let's uh hear from you darling since you were well, here for the first time <laughs> i'm it's hard to like um organize my thoughts around this because there's so many different facets but i think overall i think the academy is pretending to do something big when what they've really done is nothing. And I think they didn't yeah. want to do anything. I agree with you. 
Um, like, because like we've talked about, um, basically every single film qualifies easily. But I think what they are doing, and what I think is smart, is they're forcing those in charge to just be conscious of what they're doing, which I think is a good thing. Now when they make these decisions, they have to look and kind of tick boxes. So it's over time training them to be aware of these things. Right. And I like that. I don't like them policing productions, and I don't like them disqualifying productions. I think some of these rules are vague, and I don't like that they're so vague. Um, Because I think you guys just talked about um, they'll be asking people what their sexual orientation is and what their race and ethnicity is. I think that's illegal. Is it not? Yeah, it ought to be. I mean, I think it is. Yeah, it surely should be. And I believe it is. I'm glad to hear you say this, Jalal, because, I I mean, here we are, Sasha and me and Clarence, the three whitest people (laughs) at Awards Daily, you know, had our opinions first. And you really are are, uh, have a a better perspective on it than either of than any of the three of us do. And it's just, um, yeah, it's just it's (laughs) weird to me. Like, I, um, I know that. I've worked in different productions on things in the past. And I know that you can't ask, like one of the things casting and why sometimes movies aren't as diverse and why people get cast in ethnicities that they shouldn't ever be cast in to begin with Mm -hmm. is because you're not allowed to legally ask them what race they are. So if Mm -hmm. they audition and kind of pretend to be something they're not, and you have no way of of clarifying that you have, Mm -hmm. there's no way of knowing you can't really ask someone what their disability is. Um, Mm -hmm. And, what is in this question of what diversity is is um mm. really i struggle with because um can you fill up a production with white gay men and call it a day um when you're hiring latinos are you only hiring white latinos and then right. you fill a quota exactly. and then yeah like uh Yelitsia, oh my god i'm forgetting her name but that's the oh. phenomenal actress from roma mm-hmm. right um she has faced so many acts of discrimination in America. And then all those um, white Latina actresses in Mexico signed that petition to not let her be eligible at the uh, Mexican Oscars um, that year. So it's like, if she gets shut out, but white Latina actresses all of a sudden get in, does that count as diversity? I just have a lot of questions about that. And who will be the person deciding what's okay and what counts? Wow. You know, don't know to say who does that. Well, I, I know that I do this um, for the Women's Media Center every year. I do their Oscars, uh, uh, Women in Oscars um, chart, and we, we count how many women nominees there are in a, in compared to men. We've actually started doing non-binary, too, and there there are quite a few, actually, that pop up here and there. But um, the, the problem is we, we only we, – we usually – we did for the first many years just do – we didn't think about, like, you know, diversity we just thought about you know women versus male uh hires we weren't thinking about anything else but um but i gotta say uh you know as much as i push back on this because i do think it's cosmetic and performative and not anything that's going to change anything just like the the ridiculous like you know policing cornell university and its anti-racist policies isn't going to do anything to fix the problem in this country with actual racism and, and uh, oppression. It's just going to make white people feel better about themselves. That's like all it will do. 
it will help them sleep at night so that they can put it on Instagram that they did something that they care about something. And that's all it does. It makes Jamie Lee Curtis feel good about being a member of the Academy. That's literally all it does. But I do agree with you, um, Jalal, that it, it does put them in, in the place of thinking about it, thinking about why do I staff my film this way? Because when I did it, it was like makeup and costumes were women and everything else, everything else was men, was male. And I think that there's a default for hiring staff and, and um, staffing crews of films to always go with the men. And it's not necessarily just because they're like sexist, awful people. It's just the default. You know, they're not thinking about it. They're not thinking about that there are people who are left out and that who will never get a chance to, to get in their foot in the door just because of the way the culture is about what kind of people that they trust and that they let in the door. I'm, I can tell you that that's the case throughout my entire life and almost every business I've been in and any person of color or wom woman has to fight their way through the door, you know? Um, so mm -hmm. I do feel like, I mean, every year it's the same, you know, we do it. Nothing moves the needle, nothing moves the needle. It's always the same percentages coming up every single time. And it is frustrating to look at that and think, why is nothing changing in this industry? But the problem is, is that, they shouldn't have anything whatsoever to do with the artistic part of it. It shouldn't have anything to do with what kind of films are chosen or what kind of um, narratives are told, what kind of stories are told. That is absurd that they would ever go there. But they should think about um, the other part of it, the below the line part of it, the crew part of it, the who gets to tell stories part of it. I think it should happen on a studio level. I don't think it should be on the Oscars to fix this because it's not going to really matter because most studios don't really care about the Oscars anymore because the Oscars have basically become obsolete. They're just a tiny little, you know, microcosm at this point and they're just getting even more and more insular. Um, I think that it hurt the Academy and it actually hurt the Democrats and the left by having this news. I think the optics of it are really bad. They look sort of semi-authoritarian in how they're policing art, even though when you drill down into it, it's not that bad. It's really easy to make the requirements, but it just, for some reason, people stuck to the top level part and not the actual, look, this is how you can get around this. It's pretty easy. Mm. But People um, are already so mad reading the first two they, categories. And they think of that's what it is. By the time yeah. they got to C and D, that they didn't even matter anymore. But especially yeah. for D, anyone who's been around the studio a lot or around studio people know how many women are employed by studios. And so that's going to the, the D, the D uh, audience, the, stand, the standard D of audience development, where you need just to have someone in a studio or film company with uh, senior executives who are female. That's easy. And the, the, easy. But the problem is, is I only know this from the research that I've done on this, this project that I've done for the Women's Media Center is that with a lot of categories, it's a boys club. They just pick the people mm -hmm. that they know and they tend to pick men because they're mostly men in the in the academy. This is true in the film composers branch and the cinematography branch, mm -hmm. editing, mm -hmm. um, a lot of the production design. And in production design, it's always set decorator is female <laughs> and the art decorator is male. Um, right. And they, you know, they, 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 I'm sorry to have to say it, but they just take men more seriously. 
than they do women. Yeah. And because of the, the opportunities that the men have had already, they have better resumes and better, exactly. better, yeah. better references and better credits yeah. to their, to their name so, and, I, um, I mean, I, or I, more, not necessarily yeah. better, but just more credits. I get where it's coming from because I've sort of been following along with this narrative, obviously the whole time I've been doing this and, and with um, Ava DuVernay in particular, who I think is kind of partly spearheading at least some of this. And, you know, she understands and I understand and anybody who covers the Oscars understands that the Oscars are really about power. They're about getting your foot in the door and more jobs and more opportunities. And if, if you're looking at decade after decade, I mean, there is no reason why there should only have been Halle Berry as the only black actress in 93 years of Oscar history to have won. That is right. absurd that that's still a stat and that it, the last time a black actress won was in 2001. I mean, and so you do get frustrated and you think, how can I possibly change this? How can I fix it? I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what the answer is. So if it wasn't for the fact that it was bizarre and authoritarian and McCarthyism-esque, um, I would think this was a good thing. You know, put like you're saying, like, put them on notice, you know, make them kind of conscious of what they're doing and what kind of stories they're choosing to tell. Who knows what great things might come from it, you know? Mm -hmm. I think that probably the of all of that we've said so far, I, I like what you said best, Jalal. It, it just makes it's going to it's going to raise people's awareness and make them think about what they're doing, whether the, where they were before they may not have given it a second thought. At least now they will consider it. They'll think about whether or not they're going to be whether what they're doing, their hiring practices are, are, are fulfilling the, these basic, really easy requirements or not and if they're not then they have to ask like you said sasha have to ask themselves why why am i not why why am i not why am i failing to do something that should be so easy right and remember it's an industry-wide thing because if you even want to be considered for the oscars you have to follow these guidelines so that means mm -hmm. any film nominated for the oscars has met this requirement which is a pretty base level easy to make um thing but it, it does mean that when they're sitting there doing the hiring this is all I'm saying is on the upside of it. On the downside mm -hmm. of it, I think I think it, it gives the Academy a bad image. I think it makes people think negatively of them, and I think that it, it helps to kind of make the Oscars seem like a more um, insular. Um, but you know, it it sort of takes away the point of the Oscars, which is you know about rewarding the best art, regardless of any of these things. But um, so I do think it's kind of a mixed. Thing. I mean, I don't think anybody can say this is terrible or this is great. You know, there's there's sort of a. I, well, so far, that's what bothers me most about it is just how how ham handed and how clumsy the Academy is with all of their announcements like this. Way back when they started to um, talk about um, increasing the diversity of the voting membership and about how they were going to start uh, taking away the voting rights of people who have been Academy members for years. They did that really clumsily. Then when they, when they talked about the maybe, oh, maybe we'll do a popular film category. And they, and they didn't have any, any clue about what, how they were going to do that or what, even what the qualifications or criteria were going to be. But they just made that announcement and it just infuriated people for no reason. And again, like what they've done this summer, they couldn't have picked a worse time. They couldn't right, have picked us. Exactly. Why can't they at least wait until after November to do <laughs> That's this? Right, you know? Exactly. That's such Just a good, good point. It's like, why would you do it right now? <laughs> I will say though that the Academy is much better at these announcements than the television academy. The television academy <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> makes announcements a month before voting, drastically changes everything, gives no warning. And it's usually from studio or network pressure. 
Like yeah. someone will call the studio or to call the academy, complain. A couple of days later, they change the rules. Um, <laughs> I, I wouldn't. I don't, only the only thing, the only sign of that that I've really seen that 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 stands out for me is about what movies are, what show programs are going to qualify for what categories. Whether is this a yeah. movie of the week or is it a miniseries or is it a limited series or is it a continuing series? A lot of those things seem like so. Uh, amorphous and so <laughs> flexible that it just depends on whatever the studio is trying to get into. That's the category they're going to let them be in, right? Yeah, agreed. <laughs> yes. Um, no, um, I go Please go oh, ahead. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say. I think one of the best things about these new rules is the um, one of the caveats was I think one of the ways someone can pass is with thirty percent of the crew. I'm fitting this um, and that can be anyone in the crew besides the production assistant and I think that's great because I think as we look through some of these kind of um, what do you call them of the fields within the different branches mm-hmm. some of them are very much more boys clubs than others like you right. talked about Sasha like um, we see how many people it takes now to fill out a visual effects team for a movie there are sometimes hundreds of people um, now to fit that 30% quota, they're going to have to hire, look at who they hire and that'll make a major difference. Um, and that's the same visual effects. I think it'll be a huge game changer. Animation is going to be a huge game changer, hopefully. Um, and I really hope that that is able to influence and make a difference. Mm, yeah, mm-hmm. I think so too. I mean, I hope that my ideal situation on this would be that it was, it was handled with ease and grace rather than, um, sort of, you know, frustration and obstinance. I, I, I think in the best case scenario, it could be something generous like that and not punitive. The thing that bothered me about it and a lot of the anti-racist stuff is that they're acting like people are deliberately doing something against them to hold them back and to hold them down. And they have to be on watch and on guard and they have to be watched at every second so that they don't do something bad. I feel like that's not a good way to... Um, you know, push forward any sort of progress, uh, unity, or you know, I think this this kind of thing could be, uh, you know, welcomed with open arms, and rather than this idea of like people feeling like they're being accused of something, you know, rather than, you know, we're going to try to do our best to change something that is a really hard thing to change, a dynamic that's been in place for decades you know, that, that really needs a little bit of shaking up and we want to shake it up. And we've been, we've been sort of, you know, screaming from the rooftops about this for a while and nothing really has changed. Although I will say this, I was talking to my friend, Michael, who was very politically incorrect, incorrect, I might add, but he was, um, he was talking about how last year or the year before there were, you know, like three different acting winners that were black. Right. But like mm-hmm. that doesn't matter because if the next year all the acting nominees are white, it still makes us even though the year before they weren't right. It, it they don't say, well, OK, so now it's a it just sort of is one of these things of like we think we're, we're making progress and then we're not, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, it's, it's a weird kind of thing because Twitter has sort of democratized everything. And so Twitter is sort of the ult- ultimate arbiter because it can publicly humiliate people. And in public humiliation, there is power. And it is power. It might be temporary power. I don't know. It probably is. But for now, there's power in that. So the people can be called out. But I feel like, from my vantage point, and I've been writing about this particular subject for a very long time, since 2001 at least, 
is that I feel like I, I see the academy trying to do stuff to make change, like inviting new members um, and, and, you know, having screenings and celebrating different filmmakers. And I, for one, tried to push forward Queen and Slim last year and Dolomite, you know. I tried to do these things, but they still don't quite move the needle. And, you know, I don't think that it was sexism that kept Greta Gerwig out of the Best Director lineup last year. I think that's absurd that anybody would, would see it that way. But that is the way that they came away with it. So a lot of it is just this kind of bizarre feedback loop that's happening with Twitter and with the media that covers it, pretending like there's a story there if there isn't a story there. But at the same time, like these aren't that difficult of changes to make, right? So I think, you know, people are always going to look at this that don't really look at the uh, actual thing, the chart, and they're going to say, 1970, and I've heard so many people in the media say this, 1917 doesn't meet the requirements. But it does actually meet the requirements if you look at the cast and crew on IMDb. It mm -hmm. absolutely meets them. Mm -hmm. You know, five times mm -hmm. over it meets them. Right. But you have to understand what they're asking and what it is that you're looking at, right? Um, it's not just, oh, it's an all-white cast. Like, that doesn't say that, the, you know, it, the, the things don't say you can't have an all-white all cast. You know, that's that's not part of it. I don't think. No, of course it's not. That's just one of the, that's just one of the. That's one way that it's not even. It's not as even even as if the academy is encouraging people to not make movies like that or to make more movies that are, have a more diverse cast. They don't, it's not that they the academy is designating or 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 even encouraging in either direction. That just happens to be one way that just by chance you could fulfill. Just if you happen to be making a, a remake of The Color Purple or something, you're automatically, you don't have to worry about anything else after that. By the way, know, Michael but, and I decided that they would never make The Color Purple today the way that it was made then mm. for so many reasons. Like, for instance, she wouldn't be able to play that character because she's she's not gay. I don't know if that's... Well, we can get to Ammonite, but I don't know. I know with trans actors, like, there is a, a definite anger at, at actors who aren't trans playing trans actors you know and i think i feel like julianne moore recently said that she didn't she wouldn't take the role that she played in the kids are all right which is one of my favorite movies uh, now she wouldn't take that role she would leave it to a gay actor and you know i i see this both ways i see on the one hand i think it would be interesting to see a gay actor play a gay character i think you might be able to find more depth in that but I also love her performance in that movie so much, and I love that movie so much that it made me sad to hear that. I thought, wow, you know, I would I would never be able to see Julianne Moore play that part, you know. Mm -hmm. I I I think I can. I mean, speaking as a gay guy or bi guy, I, it doesn't bother me in the least to see a straight actor play a gay character. I, it does not matter. I love it when a gay character is able to find a role like that, and I also love it when gay gay actors play straight guys but uh or or when a lesbian actor plays a straight woman but but it doesn't bother me in the least if a, if a, if a straight actor is cast and it didn't the casting of uh call me by your name i didn't even cross my mind that that was wrong you know I, that mm -hmm. was that great movie i love that movie no matter what and the same i feel the same way about carol it doesn't matter to me that the, the actor the actresses and carol were not gay i don't care about that well, because the voice, um, the voice of the director is gay, right? So that was Todd Haynes, and and the movie Ammonite, where they're both not gay women playing 
um, that uh, that 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 does that did uh, I guess so yeah that makes a, that sure that makes it easier to swallow maybe yeah, and but Lisa, I didn't think about Lisa that Cholodenko either. is gay who who directed um, the kids are all right I remember mm-hmm. I read the story about um, Kimberly Pierce who made Boys Don't Cry and I remember that Oscar year very well and I remember how difficult it was for people to kind of even have the conversation about trans um, people trans women. And I remember how much that movie changed that and how much it really moved the needle and it, it put people in a situation where they could sympathize and empathize um, with that character. And it was a, a brilliant work and she won the Oscar, but when she went to speak at a college, they all surrounded her and called her a cis white bitch and they protested her, to her so hard that she had to leave and she wasn't even able to give her speech. They were so well, mad that she yeah. didn't cast. See, that's a... crazy. That's that's wrong. That's just wrong. I think that's yeah. crazy. And I don't, it's it's not that it's not. But that does to me that doesn't mean that the casting was wrong or that she was wrong in that role that she shouldn't have won an Oscar for it. The people that what's wrong about that is or the protesters, not our, not not Hollywood. But we're old school, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, I know. School. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So how <laughs> how do you feel about that, Jamal? About about uh, movies with gay characters that uh, don't, are not always played by gay actors. Um, I actually am in the minority with it, like the queer community. Oh. I am in the minority, or maybe I'm not the minority, but I don't really give a fuck. At all. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's how I feel too. I really, it doesn't even actually even occur to me. Mm-hmm. But for one thing, I don't mind at all imagining that, that the straight actors are gay or that they could be conceivably. Yeah for 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 two hours you know because yeah. you just mentioned two of my favorite movies of all time which is no. called by your name and um carol yeah, so right. they, oh. they have very clear point of views from the queer from queer directors yes um and, and that's i think what drew me in the most um right. but luca guadagnino has a new actually tonight he has a new miniseries or television show i'm not exactly sure which on hbo about um this teenage coming of age film in Italy oh, yeah. in the 80s um, that I think looks phenomenal. I haven't seen yet though. Um, but they asked him about this, about cast. They were like, uh, like I think going back to Call Me By Your Name and casting people who weren't gay in these roles. And he said, I think I don't want to misquote him, but he, I think he said, who am I to decide if an actor is gay or not? that's right it's really none of our business whether timothy is gay or not right Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like look at niecy nash niecy nash just married a woman no one knew she was queer she might not have known she was queer for most of her life we don't know what these people are going through right and another thing too i mean not that it would ever happen no one would ever be this ridiculous but it would be really sad if you would if if you start to say that only gay gay actors can play gay characters would that also mean that gay characters can never play a straight character that's really wrong mm-hmm. you know they that's can't have really that, either. that the only be, problem yeah. with it, um that is that i think we've seen in throughout history and i don't i think it still hasn't changed just the fact that we're we oftentimes when actors come out we don't let them play straight roles anymore right mm, that's um, true. matt yes. bomer notoriously didn't get superman right. Yeah, right. That's Mom. why that's why Jodie Foster and Tom Cruise didn't. Oh, well, I don't know if Tom Cruise is gay, but Jodie Foster mm-hmm. didn't come out for for years because of that, right? She mm-hmm. she didn't want to be she because in Contact she doesn't play a gay character, you know. So right. she wanted people to be able to see her, and I love how David Fincher in particular uses gay actor out gay actors to play um, non gay characters like he did it with, uh, Neil Patrick Harris and gone girl. And, um, and, uh, what's his name in, uh, mind hunter. Mm-hmm. 
guy from Hamilton. Jonathan, Jonathan, Jonathan Groff. Um, Jonathan, Jonathan Groff. Yeah. Jonathan Groff. Yeah. In both those films, he he readily hires these actors to play these, you know, straight roles, which I think is mm. cool. Well, and then if you if you talk about Jodie Foster, then all of a sudden now everybody casts her in these asexual roles. That, exactly. That, you know, yeah. she's and it's it's just not a part of the human experience right. at all. I mean, she just plays power women, and that's right. it. Mm. Oh, yeah. I hadn't even thought about that. That's a really good point. You guys are yeah. so smart. No, <laughs> they can't really <laughs> handle the, 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 the idea of it. I was listening to this. Brian, I sent you this thing. I don't think you ever responded, but I said, oh. I'm reading this book about this by this, this really very, very brilliant gay man in England. Um, it's about like the madness of crowds and his whole first chapter is called gay. And he, like Andrew Sullivan kind of come from the older generation of, you know, of the gay community that fought at Stonewall and kind of didn't, they're not really down with what's going on right now. Like the kind of hysteria that they see in the younger generation, but, um, but which are very strident and kind of militant about dividing people up as this generation tends to do into categories. Right. So this guy's writing this long thing about, you know, how fluid sexuality can be from, from your whole life. And that, you know, and, and if you're, if you're asking people, like my daughter's generation does, and I know because I watched her go through this, to define who you are as a teenager. Like, this is who I definitively am and what I definitively am, and I'm going to stick to that for the rest of my life. I am my daughter's, like, I am bi, and that's mm. what I am, right? But why do you have to categorize it? Like, why do you have to be that thing? And so that's his point. Is like, you know, you maybe you have a gay kiss in high school. Um, maybe that means you're gay. Maybe it doesn't. You don't know, but you don't have to say that you are. You know, and people mm -hmm. that they're forcing. And you, you don't to have it. to stick to any label or, or 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 abide by any label that anyone else tries to put on you either. I mean, that's what I like about. And it, I, I, when I was growing up, there was no, it, it was there wasn't a concept of fluid. You were one thing or another. You know, yeah. you you and once you decided that was it you know you chose your team and then that was good that was it I, I like so much now that things are just much more fluid and i did get your email but you know it's been a crazy week for me i was on the road but what i did i looked for the book and i it was i, I couldn't afford it at the time i i don't ordinarily buy a book unless i can get a, a used copy and there weren't any used copies that i could afford so but it's in my it's in my uh, it's in my cart at amazon I have, I, the, I have the Google Books version of it. I wish I could send it to you. But anyway, he, um, I just found it interesting that like there is some sort of the reason that it even comes up is that there's a policing of it. So the reason I brought it up is that the color purple, I was talking to my friend Michael, who's mm -hmm. gay, and he was he was saying that 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 the lead character isn't gay. And I, I thought that she was. And mm -hmm. I kind of. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. Uh -huh. um, in the movie or the in the book or the films? Well, I don't know. What, I mean, the reality of it, like, like in the I film, think, you know, what was she? Um, well, the color purple is my favorite story of all time, um, and I'll always remember going to a like an event where Alice Walker spoke, and she spoke about the film and how she doesn't like the film originally, mm. which always surprised me. And I, th one of the reasons she doesn't like it is. And Steven Spielberg has said the same thing. It's because he was too much of a coward to portray the queer experience. Ah, I see. Right. And she doesn't know what she is. And I don't think labeling her as a gay woman is correct. I think she's someone who found love with a woman for the first time mm -hmm. in a life uh, where she's never mm -hmm. found love um, after being abused mm -hmm. by everyone right. for so long. And I think 
the fear of portraying that. And I don't shame him for doing this. I mean, this was 1985. No, it was um, the 80s, bro. I lived through that. Yeah. That was totally how it <laughs> yeah. was. Yeah. Um, but I, I do wish that he had done it. Um, and I think he wishes, too, if he were to go back and make it today. And he's producing the musical. So I think we will see a queer experience portrayed. And it'll be very interesting. Hmm. But so um, I think it's a more it's a gray area that I think deserves to be played around with. Well, I remember one of my favorite movies is Fried Green Tomatoes. And I, I love mm-hmm. the movie even with its flaws. But that's the always the thing that's bothered me about it was. And but I and I know because I lived through this era. I'm telling you guys, like we came out of the 60s and 70s and we went right into the 80s. And it was a culture shift that was conservative and bizarre and under Reagan's thumb for 12 years. And that was my coming of age experience. And um, I feel like we're kind of going through a similar shift right now. Um, we're going to pull too far to the left and then culture is going to yank over to the right. So be prepared. But, um, but I, but I feel like with that movie, Fried Green Tomatoes, she's obviously a gay, that's obviously a gay love story, that movie, but they couldn't tell it at the time because I mean, it's so bizarre to think that even Barack Obama in his first term couldn't say, couldn't support gay marriage. Like that's how bizarre our Mm. culture was coming out of the eighties. And it took a while for that pendulum to shift. Um, but I love fried green tomatoes, but it absolutely is about gay women. And, and, um, well, the author is gay. Fanny flag, right? Fanny she wrote flag. the novel and, and she's, yeah. she's, uh, yeah, she was, um, with for a long time, had a relationship with another gay author. Um, is it, um, uh, Rita Mae Brown, Rita Mae Brown, they, they were another gay, uh, lesbian author. But I mean, I think, I don't think that they deny it in fried green tomatoes. I mean, it's pretty clear that that's what's going on, but it's not explicit and it's not said out loud. So, but, um, but mm-hmm. I, I do think that's a problem with the color purple too. Um, even though it's come to sort of become much more of a, um, appreciated over the years for being like an all black cast. And I mean, it, it, it had its, um, it was, it was objected to at the time, which is why it went in with 11 nominations and one zero, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that, but, but it was, it wasn't about that queer aspect of it. I mean, it really was like a do don't ask, don't tell kind of situation for most of my life. Like one of my really good friends who died of AIDS, um, in high school in 1983, (laughs) he couldn't even admit that he was gay ever and his father at his funeral wouldn't even tell that he died of aids he lied about it he wouldn't even say that 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 his son died of aids like that's how crazy it was in the 80s i always tell my daughter emma like you just wouldn't believe it like people just didn't say it out loud Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, and and I just I wanted to check the date of fried green tomatoes and it was 1991 so that was the same yeah. same era really you know mm-hmm. so yeah, so it's amazing the things that have changed, and like you said, the, how slowly things change, and the fact that you know, that, like you said so many times before, that Halle Berry, we were also excited the year that she and Denzel won the same year, and then it, that was it for like years and years and years. Right. And part of that is it was not just because that the Academy thought that though well we've done that and now we can now we've done it and you can't blame us for not doing it and we don't have to do it for a long time. Right. A lot of it, most of it, has to do with the fact that the movies weren't being made with the roles that had Oscar. Oscar caliber roles in them. And well, so I it mean, was on a much more yeah, it's another level entirely besides what the academy is doing. The academy can only do can only judge uh, can only assess the movies that they're handed. And if the studios don't make the movies that have Oscar roles for for people of color, then the, it's not the academy's fault. 
Well, but, right? but the other problem is, is that, um, you know, the thing, you can't get around population demographics, right? So America's 60% white. And the academy's probably around 60% white, I think, still. It used to be 70, but I think it's kicked down to 60, maybe. So it matches the American demographic. And people often respond to stories that's, that they can relate to, that they, that, that, you know, speak to them. So if, you know, we're shoving, you know, basically every person of color um, and every queer person for most of history has had to, to, to suck down these movies that are about one specific type of, you know, you know, the straight world and the white world. So they've had to do it, but we can't seem to, to turn around and flip it and do it ourselves. So for instance, if, if it's a story, Moonlight did really well, I think, because it, it, uh, it wasn't about really racism. It was about a community that was, you know, it, yes, racism was part of it, but it wasn't like evil white people in the movie. So mm. people could right. respond it was, to it. It, it, it. There was no right. I didn't, I don't remember any really, I don't remember any racism in that movie yeah, at all. It, it was, wasn't that wasn't, about it that. wasn't anything that was addressed because it was, right. like you said, it was within the community and the community itself was not racism against itself right. in any way. And it was a coming out story. Every, I mean, not a, not a coming of age story is what I mean to say. Right, come or coming out, both. Or coming but, out, uh, yeah. <laughs> but like the idea that most films in the Academy, just given the demographics, are usually movies would depict white people as being heroic, right? So The Help or um, Green Book or, you know, they don't really, and 12 Years a Slave had Brad Pitt in it, right? So it was, it was partly that, um, you know, people just, white people, if it's the majority, they need to sort of feel like they can relate to the story. And if the story is telling them that they're horrible people and they're racist, they're generally not going to choose that picture. They're not going to vote for it because it makes them feel bad. And they only vote for things that make them feel good. So the demographics haven't changed enough in the academy or in America, frankly, for people to organically choose stories that are... Um, uh, of a different experience and of a different perspective that well like Roma was okay like they could go with that because again that wasn't about like white versus Latino that was just a you know a world that was described and shown to them same with Parasite Parasite had nothing to do with the white world you know so if mm. you don't demonize white people I think you can do really well but if your movie is about racism as Spike Lee's mm -hmm. films have been then they're going to reject it, right? They might not going forward, but up until now, they have. In my And that's the theory that I've always had about Carol, too, is that it's not that people have anything against lesbians. It's not even as if men have anything against lesbians because there's, I mean, men enjoy lesbian porn. Not that not there's anything at all remotely porning about the Carol, but, the, I don't, but just imagine, I mean, like when I saw Carol at the theater, um, the, it was it was me and a, and my and the guy I was with and and the rest of the theater was all women and the women weren't gay, they did but they were open to seeing a movie like that. But it, just imagine a group of guys getting together and say, "What do you want to see at the movies tonight?" And they go up to the box office and they, they're not going to say they want to see Carol. A guy a group of guys who are straight are not going to go uh, or buy tickets to Carol, right? Carol had the thing about it that I think turned maybe some of the male voters in the Academy off is that all of the men, all the male characters in Carol are in the way. They're just, they're not only just extra <laughs> and not necessary, they're in the way and they are, they are obstacles to be, um, to get around. And I don't think that appeals to male voters very much to see a movie like that, to be put in, to see a movie that puts, even though it's not overt and it's not, it's not anything hateful about it. It just makes them feel like that they're left out of the story. 
Well, they should go. They should go see Ammonite because that has the most graphic sex I've seen in a film in a very, very, very long time. Holy really, shit. right? Right. Yeah. And I was thinking about the graphic sex in that movie, and I was thinking, what was the decision behind that? Well, I think that what the decision was was like, let's just get the job done. You know, like I'm not gonna like photograph this beautifully. It's not gonna be like a swoony romance. It's like. No, we want to devour each other, and we want to do it right now. <laughs> so how are we yeah. going to do that? <laughs> Wait, Clarence, was it more graphic than God's Own Country? Uh, I've not seen God's Own Country. Because that has pretty oh, violent gay sex in the mountain mm. and the mud. Oh, shit. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm. And it, it, and it's it's a, it's a, it, I mean such a I mean it's a wild scene, isn't it? It's wild the sex in that movie because mm-hmm. because the the the, the, um, the other guy has mixed feelings about it. Mm-hmm. He's not he's not he's like he's not sure whether. <laughs> I mean I don't want to get you you Sasha. No, you I, I'm just saying like I don't know how we spoil this for people, but like you know I don't want to spoil it, but I'm just saying like. Um, how do we say it? <laughs> yeah. So here. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm sitting here in my in my den, in the family room with my little iPad. I warned you. Screener. Yeah, you warned me. And 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 you know, all of a sudden, somebody's sitting on somebody's face, <laughs> and I'm like, flip. <laughs> and it's it's it it's, it happens fast too. I mean, there's no discussion about it. It's a, it, 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 it's, that's yes, just some like, face sitting. About three licks. <laughs> no, but what's weird about that scene and <laughs> the thing that's unsettling? I mean, great, right? It's just great. Mm-hmm. But she, she does sort of seem like she's you know realistically having a you know. I mean, it does sort of seem like that, right? That's convincing as heck. Yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah, it's very very authentic. <laughs> Very realistic. <laughs> I have a question about that film because the three of you have seen it, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm um, going to get you on the chain so you can start seeing. Right. Gonna put you got to see. You're going to love it. You're going to. I am. I think. I think it'll be one of my favorites of the year. But I'm kind of worried that its chances are going to be hurt. Yes. Because there's already murmurs. Yes. About people are offended about the age gap. That's right. You got it. And I'm very, which drives me crazy. It irks me. That it makes me want to scream about this like the conversation about this age gap and i'm just do you think it's going to be something that derails it or do you think other things will derail no, it no i think it will be it? derailed 100 percent. what i love the age difference between them is only 18 years well i Any... know <laughs> even if it is the she obviously light is into this woman because of how smart she is and how brilliant she uh-huh. is i mean how yeah many... that's part that's definitely part of it that's part of the attraction for yeah. sure and and the fact that that, that 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 she's also apparently just always the only only person who's ever tried to touch her is have been these men who didn't know how to touch her. And so finally, when she finds someone who does know how to touch her, it doesn't matter that she's a woman. How about how Kate Winslet's face is all like red? <laughs> like, yeah. Oh God. Like they're like really doing it. I mean. <laughs> well, and and that's what the age difference is. What makes the ending you know, kind of beautiful. And I don't want to give too much away, but the, but Sir Sharonin's character does something that is very childlike, that is very of her age. And, and it's, and it's not practical and it does, you know, it, it turns off Kate Winslet's character quite a bit. Um, and so that, that the age differences play into the narrative of the film. It, right. it doesn't, oh, it, it's not like, 
Kate Winslet was a predatory lesbian. That's not at all how this is played mm -hmm. out. No, no. And in fact, she says, like, you're treating me like a child, or somebody says something like that, and the thing, you're raising me like a child. I, I liked that they played off that dynamic, and if it had been a male and a female, nobody would have thought twice about it. You know, right. it wouldn't yeah. be... And it's not as if the, the Shosha Ronan's character is is anywhere near underage either. She's definitely in her mid-20s in the movie and in, in actuality. Isn't she like 23 or 24 years old in reality? So she's not too, she's not, it's not, not as if it's a, in, any way, in any way, she's a, she's a grown woman. Yeah, she no, it never, for once, for when I was watching it, I never once thought that. Like, ooh, this yeah. is gross. Like, I always thought, like, they're just have, they have this strong connection and that's the only way that they can kind of get closer to each other. You know, is to, and I, I've just, you know, sympathized with them and, and really, and you know, understood what's it. great about it. And what and, and Jalal, you, it's the same thing that, that was in um, God's Own Country is that even though they is no discussion about it, they there's the, he's the director's really good at, at expressing the thing that we're familiar with, where you just know you just know about the other person, whether they mm -hmm. really know or not yet you know and then they they figure it out and then they maybe they know in a way that you don't know and it's just a great thing when that happens right and it's and you just hardly ever see that in a movie it's mm -hmm. just and it's amazing that this director has now made two movies in a, in a row like this where he he nails that expression and that discovery and how sudden it can be and how when once once the discovery is made no reason to waste any more time <laughs> <laughs> no, nope. that's when your it. face gets all red. <laughs> <laughs> your face gets all red. That was a very. Well, I would put that love scene up there with like, "Don't look now." Like it's it's on that level of like. Oh, oh it reminded yeah, me. that's a really good oh, comparison. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Or um or uh, Fatal Attraction when Michael Douglas and uh, and and <laughs> yeah. Glenn Close are in the like, kitchen in and the she sink. has to turn on the faucet and <laughs> splash herself because she's so hot. <laughs> that's so right that's so right <laughs> oh, but it was just weird like i i didn't think sir sharon had it in her honestly i didn't think she could totally go there mm. and i'm sad that that the re reaction to it is is kind of like disgust and not titillation that makes me feel bad that that's the case you know i wish mm. that people felt why would kate winslet of all people suddenly be disposable like that you know suddenly not be an erotic person anymore i mean sure mm -hmm. i guess it's the part she plays maybe because i think it's because people have been conditioned to see these movies like blue is the warmest color and um the one with rachel mcadams as kind of these like you know and 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 frankly uh, well, another graphic one i mean it's you're talking about kate winslet i mean my gosh she won an oscar for being a nazi who seduced a teenager <laughs> Right. <laughs> and, but then that was OK. Give her an Oscar for that. But she can't, you know, that's just, you know, wow. I love that love movie, it. though. But she, oh, she, yeah, she definitely. For sure. Yeah, yeah, I don't have any. I'm not complaining about the movie, about the reader at all. I love the reader. But I'm just saying, how come the reader can be OK, but this is not somehow? Well, I, I, it bothers me. And I think I think it's right that that it will be um, Jalal. It will be it will be purchased against. Absolutely. Because of that, they just need a reason, you know. But I don't care. Like, I still think it's good. I'm still going to continue to champion it. I think it's, a, you know, one of the... <laughs> I haven't seen any movies this year. <laughs> there haven't been any, but I, so I can't say it's one of the best movies I've seen this year. <laughs> well, it, it, well, we can. And we'll talk about it again at Jalal after you see it. We'll, uh, um, you have to come back and, we'll, and um, we'll, we'll all talk about it when we want to have to worry about uh, spoiling anything for you. Not to, okay. Not, I mean, it's, real, it's not the kind of, it's not like there's a, 
it's not a murder mystery or anything like that. There's mm-hmm. not that kind of spoiler, but we don't want you to, we don't, yeah, just be, the less you know, the better. It's but better he, he already pretty much knows everything now. So yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but should we it's talk about Nomad Land? I guess. What does anybody want to know since I've seen it now? Oh, is the, I guess if, what I want to know most, I guess, pertains to the Oscars, and everyone is raving about it. And this is yeah. a movie I'm ex- I've been excited about for months now, so I'm not mm-hmm. surprised yeah. that people love it. But everyone is already on the train of Frances McDormand's going to make history and win her third Oscar so close to her second. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Okay, that's what I assume. <laughs> but <laughs> a question but... I had is that I understand that there's like there are non-professional actors in it, right? A lot of people mm-hmm. who are just not—they're not actors; they just are real people. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. I, I how, uh, how do they how do they do how how are the performances of this? Well, I tell you, I I first saw it at the drive-in with my daughter, and it was incredibly distracting. I was way too far back, and I like to sit really close, so I couldn't see the facial expressions. I didn't really kind of get a lot of the the stuff that went on in the movie, um, and I didn't like. I mean, I liked the drive-in, but it was just it was too just there was just too much noise going on people starting their cars lights around another drive in at the yeah. other side so i wasn't able to really focus on it the first time i saw it but then they sent me a link very kindly so i watched it and it is a kind of movie that you do have to sort of be close in with you need to be in like a screening room and you need to be 100% focused on it remember how roma was like that you couldn't like look away or you would mm, miss mm-hmm, stuff so mm-hmm. that's what this movie it's a lot of very quiet, subtle, you know, it's a, it's an incredibly beautiful, poetic, moving portrait, right, of this woman. Um, it, it, you know, it's good. It's really, really good. I, I can't, I, I wouldn't have thought that the first time I saw it, but the second time I saw it, I, I kind of understood why people are raving about it. But, um, but I, I, the people who are the, ho- you know, the regular nomads, um, they're they're okay you know they're it's a sort of a i I saw someone write it was a docufiction and that Mm -hmm. that really does sort of it it is trying to be both it's trying to be a story about you know an objective look at these people that that sort of travel from town to town working these jobs and living in their Mm -hmm. vans or their rvs or whatever um rootless but then they have to also fashion a story around um Frances McDormand's character, and that's what Chloe Zhao did. She wrote this story for this woman. And this is the part of the movie that, that is a little bit like um, the, the sort of the... I didn't have a problem with it. I think it's a really great movie, and I think it you know will do really well um, in the Oscar race for sure. But there was a tiny little contradiction for me, which was, was something I thought about, which is... Um, a lot of people on YouTube, like, living in your van is like a really popular thing on youtube and you can make a lot of money doing that and it's, it's you a mentioned very... that in your review and i did i'm i'm this first i'd ever heard of it no but it's I true never though. knew about so that phenomenon it's, yeah it's i believe you but i just never knew that that was a thing but it's just odd that there's these parallel worlds between you know an entire community that's doing this thing and then youtube which has this you know i i watch them all the time these these people that live in their vans they they just you know they make a ton of money and they love doing it. And they're these young people. So I think that, um, but, it, you know, her generation wouldn't have wouldn't have been connected to that, obviously. So she mm. is kind of, and, and you know, it, it is, it's an interesting story because, you know, she was connected to her husband and her husband died and then she didn't know what she wanted to do, but she didn't want to sit at home. She wanted to be on the road, you know. 
Um, but it, it's, it's, it's probably Frances McDormand at her most bare and vulnerable and revealing as an actress. You know, she plays like, you know, in Fargo and in Burn After Reading and in Three Billboards, she's very showy and funny and playing a character. And here she's just much more stripped down. And um, I think that, you know, I, I mean, I guess there's a chance, there's a tiny chance that she'll win, but I, I really don't think so. I think that my own instinct on this is that this is going to be a year that makes history for the best actress category that it's going to be. I think Chloe Zhao and, and Nomadland will do great. I think that the, there are going to win Oscars. I don't know which ones. But, um, but as for lead actress, I think it might go to somebody like Jennifer Hudson for respect, you know, um, I think that this is the year that that might finally happen. Mm -hmm. I'm banking on Viola Davis. Or Viola Davis as Ma Rainey, you know, both, either one. I mean, I hope it doesn't become a situation where they cancel each other out, Mm. you know, but, um, but I am hoping for that. There's, there are enough strong lead black women this year where I feel like, you know, it would be a real shame if, if one of them didn't win. Right. I was, I guess I'm, I'll need to Google it. But but of course the Nomadland is a nonfiction book is what the movie's based on and I wonder if in creating the character for I wonder if there was a fern in a real fern in reality that's in the that's in the nonfiction book or if that whole character was created out of out of whole cloth in in order to give it some narrative thrust. I'll have to read the book, but from what I read of the synopsis, she, the woman who wrote the book, travels around with with a woman. Um, who is a nomad, and I think that that it, it may be sort of based oh, okay. on her. I'm not sure, right, but yeah. but the, it, the, I I just tried to find on Wiki just now, and it's hard. I mean, it doesn't give much details about the book. I think maybe what you can do on Amazon is you can do the kind of search the book kind of thing that they've got in where you can read a sample, and you I'll just search for Fern and see if there's a Fern character in the, in oh, the, in yeah. the book. Oh yeah, right, yeah. right. No, I don't think that her name is going to be that, but I think that. Um, mm. That that's that's an interesting thing about the movie is that the nomads. It's very clear why they're on the road and what they're doing and who they are. You just look at them and you can hear them talking, and you know this mm-hmm. is a person who would never in a million years be connected to YouTube. Mm-hmm. You just, as right. you hear them, so talk, totally different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They they just live in this alternate reality of like these people who live on the road, and you hear them talk and you know that that's true. But with Frances McDormand's character, it's slightly different because she seems a little bit more sort of you know with it and aware and you know she does seem like someone who might be aware of it it's just weird to see a movie that is in 2020 that has absolutely no awareness of this other way of, of making what, money you know uh, and of, and also of what has happened to the american co- economy in, in 2020 it's a disconnect with what we know of course I, I, it happens all the time we see movies all the time that take place in the in the near in the near past and, and things have changed since then. So yeah. that's not unusual. But it's just going to be a little bit jarring to see a movie that doesn't acknowledge what's anything that has happened to America since then. Yeah. But uh, one, uh, back to the topic of whether uh, how the how the uh, non-professional actors act, since they are not can't be expected to rise to the level of Francis McDormand's um, acting talent, I, I think it may be some... I, I wonder how... Um, she doesn't stick out. I'm sure she does. She she fits in well, right? She blends right in to the with the other character. She doesn't stand out as being actorly or actressy at all, does she? Um, hmm. I don't know. I mean, 
you know, kind of in a way. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, that it, mm, it, it's true because she is a you know, obviously the one thing I noticed about it was like, for the first time because she's up against these real life people who have no charisma. <laughs> I mean, they mm -hmm. have a little bit, but like you're watching her and you're thinking, yeah, okay, so she's an actress, obviously. She's Frances mm -hmm. McDormand. She kind of looks like. You know, she could fit in, but wow, you, you know, you really do notice like, wow, that's an actress. That's an actress. Okay. And she's, mm -hmm. she's acting yeah. in this part. You know, you can, you, she does to me stand apart from right. the others. I just thought I had hopes. I mean, I know she does, does, will do the best she can. I mean, and, and, and I'm sure it's great. But, but when you said that she was, she was more raw and stripped down than you ever s have seen her before, I was hoping that maybe she would be so so without artifice that you, that you would not but you would forget that she was an actress i mean that's i think I that's hoping. true yeah. but like if you were on the one of these nomad campsites and francis mcdormand came in you would notice <laughs> that she was like kind of this exceptional person that stood out okay right you would notice that it. because she has mm -hmm. just has that she's just a charismatic mm -hmm. person who is the center right. of attention so right. it's, it's sort of hard to deny it it's it's it, you know it's a powerful thing on the other hand david straythairn who plays the guy who she meets along the way. I don't want to spoil it. There aren't a lot of plot twists in the film, but, mm. but you know, he, he is part of one of them that, that a lot of people talk about, but, um, but he, he blends in a little bit more. I mean, when you see him, it, it's funny, watch the movie and you tell me, like you look at the people who are not actors and you look at the mm. people who are actors, you can really see the difference. There's like actors know how to translate their inner emotions to the screen. And, you know, people who are just kind of these nomads or whatever, they don't know how to do that. So they're just talking and doing their thing. They're still great. You know, they're still great to watch and to listen to. Um, but it's obvious that they're not actors. And, and my first reaction when I first saw it the first time at the drive-in was my daughter had the same reaction, which was, why would you hire, why would you have these people in this movie? Like, why not hire real actors so that you could have... But then the second time I saw it, I, I understood why. And I saw that she was trying to lend this kind of authenticity to the experience. And mm -hmm. putting these people in the movie was like a way to, you know, to really do that. So you can really see what they're like. It's odd to have that blend with actual actors. Well, isn't that always her thing um, with, isn't, wasn't, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't, the star, the star of the writer was also a non-actor, wasn't he? Oh God, I don't know. I never saw it horribly and humiliatingly. Did you see it, Clarence? I'm sorry, which one? The her first, or not her first one? The writer? No, I didn't see it. I'm pretty sure that he is a non-actor, and that was one of the things people talked about a lot. So I think mm -hmm. that's just something of hers that she always does. It has a knack for her, which I love. Um, mm -hmm. She's unfortunately not going to be able to do it with whatever Marvel movie she's doing. <laughs> Is she really doing a Marvel movie? Yeah, yeah. she's doing the, the Eternals. The Eternals no kidding. Jolie. Wow, that's weird. Isn't it? <laughs> and didn't she, Clarence, you might know more about this. Didn't she book the Eternals before Nomadland and she kind of put it in her contract or something to be able to finish Nomadland beforehand? I think so. That yeah. sounds familiar. Yeah. That's weird because she's such a sort of intuitive filmmaker. It's hard for me to imagine her doing like a large scale action movie. Mm -hmm. You know, but it's it's going to be able to help her fund more Nomad Lands for the rest of her career. So right, that's true. I yeah. mean, you can't deny it. And maybe who knows? Maybe she'll. You know, it'll be an interesting thing to see her her kind of eye with that. 
She's a really talented filmmaker. There's no denying it. Um, you know, one of the best things about Nomadland is the music. You know, uh, Ammonite has no score, basically. It's just completely sort of silent, which I really like that. I like movies that have no score, but um, Nomadland has a beautiful score. It's like one of the best things about the movie, and I think it really enhances a lot of what's going on. But it is it is very much a character study. It's a it's a, an actor showcase for Frances McDormand. She's an easy nominee, and this is for sure best at picture, best director, best screenplay, best editing, best um, original score, best actress, maybe best supporting actor for David Strathairn. But as my friend was pointing out, and now we'll get to the part about the Oscar calendar, um, you know, phase one of Oscar season won't even start until after New Year's. So think about mm. that for a minute. Think about that for a minute. We're just in September. We have to get all the way to New Year's. I know. It's been so disorienting for me because, I mean, I'm, 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 I, every time I go to the mailbox or look on my front doorstep, I'm thinking, where are my screeners? Why am I not getting any screeners? I know. What have I done wrong this year? I know I'm, I moved to a new apartment. <laughs> I really, I got, actually got in touch with someone at, at, who handles that, you know, through uh, the critics group and asked them if I, if they were, if I was, had my correct address. But then it occurred to me that just everything is all thrown out of whack this year. But it's 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 bizarre that we didn't, we know so little at this time of year in, in October already. And is it the the New York Film Critics that announced this weekend that they are not moving their date? Oh, I don't I think know. They, New York, New York Film. Uh, I'm they not sure. decided that a while ago. I think they they announced something to the effect of they would not take they would announce their awards and they would not take into consideration anything that is following the academy's um eligibility year so they're 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 going to announce on december 18th and and whatever has screened before then will be included but i know a lot of things probably you know won't premiere well, until that instance, will be up for oscars are not going to premiere until january or february right, maybe like, they'll like see them the earlier people, like the united states versus billy holiday that's not coming out till february 12th and the um, uh, there's another one that's coming out, I think, in in Q uh, somewhere around uh, January, February. That w is also with Daniel Kaluuya. Um, I'm blanking on the name, but uh, oh, it also yeah, that one. Mm -hmm. yeah. I don't know why they wouldn't want to change their date. I, <laughs> I think it's just a matter of everyone wants to be first, and I think part of me is I'm pessimistic about it. And I'm like, do they think that the academy or the um, industry? in studios will secretly let them view things first before anyone else. And so they all get to be able to be the ones that create the narrative. Wow. That's a good suspicion. I like the way you think. <laughs> I like <that. laughs> I think that, it wouldn't that... surprise me. Right. I mean, it would be like them. I mean, it might it have, but like... the problem is, is it's, I mean, like first, first of all, look at Nomadland, like in a regular year, it's, it's positioned absolutely perfectly to land in the Oscar race perfectly. But what happens when Christmas comes and the election happens and January happens? It's like, how does this movie sustain itself? It's a very subtle movie. You know what I mean? Like, it, the more hype it gets, the more people are going to watch it and go, wait, that's the movie? You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's, a, that's how subtle it is. It's, a, <laughs> it's, it's one of these, this is the situation that we're, we've always been in for the past, you know, since 2003 or whatever it was when they changed the date. You know, we see these movies and they, they build up buzz and hype and they right now this movie's positioned beautifully for like the Critics Awards and the Golden Globes and stuff. But since everything's pushed back, 
till after New Year's, uh, you know, I wonder how it's going to be able to hold on to that momentum. I think the thing that'll change it is that who knows with COVID, but I think they're banking on being able to remind people with parties. And if they're able to have parties in January or February, it'll be able to help people remember, as opposed to the Emmys where they weren't able to do that at all. So we saw a lot of people get shafted that premiered over a year ago, like in terms of like a year went by, then the Emmys voted. A lot of people were forgotten, but I think they're hoping for at least, I don't know, small parties. I imagine they're going to be doing some kind of weird in-person campaigning. Well, I'll Mm. tell you this, Chloe Zhao is, is a, kind of a stunner so i think that she's gonna you know with women they have to kind of be like good looking sadly but um but that's sort of what i think is going to help her a lot is that she's really pretty and um and so i think that you know she she should do pretty well i mean it is a very good film very very good so you know I, i do think that that it it can it can last i just i i just wonder about the New York film critics, I feel like they're going to put out their awards and then it's going to sort of be like, because I know that the National Board of Review pushed theirs back till January. Yep. I have a quote. So. I, did, I looked it up just now because I wanted to find out more about it. And uh, it, uh, it's from uh, the New York Film Festival, I mean, New York Film Critics um, Chairman Stephanie Zakarik. Um, her, she says, this is a year unlike any other in our lifetimes, but the world of movies hasn't stopped. And already, even in this very strange year, we've seen a, a range of films and performances that have impressed and moved us. So what she's saying is we've already, we've, we'll, we'll have enough, is what she's saying. Even though we know we're not going to see everything, we've seen, already seen enough that we feel like that we or we'll, there's, there's enough um, that have impressed us that we won't have any trouble deciding, you know, choose. But it, it's... And I guess it, strictly speaking, if if they want, you know, if it is for the films of 2020, I mean 20 and uh, 2020, then then uh, then that, then they're you know abiding by some really strict rules. But it's, it'll be strange to see how different their awards are from other groups that are waiting longer. Well, you're you're probably going to see something like this year where, for example, Frances McDormand or Vanessa Kirby for Pieces of a Woman will compete for critics prizes for best actress and you know they'll probably split it down the line and then all of a sudden you know a more popular performance like a um you know uh, respect with um jennifer hudson mm. wins the globe and then wins the oscar i, I I'm, I'm just spitballing i don't know that, that that's not my prediction but you know it, it's probably something like that where the critics awards are going to be so weird and all over the map and they're just yeah. it, it's just not going to follow the same trajectory as the academy I'll call it now. They'll go all out for the um, never, rarely, sometimes, always, <laughs> which is yeah. a phenomenal film. But it's um, not going to be an Oscar player. No one thinks it's going to be. But I could see it getting an early critics push. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that that and Nomadland is going to. My prediction is NYFCC picks Nomadland for picture and director. Um, maybe that actress for or never really sometimes wins best um, actress. I think that in doing the article that I did today about the three women who are up, Jennifer Hudson and um, Andra Day and uh, who's the third one as oh and Viola, Viola Davis. Davis. There there are going to be some powerhouses, and I'm I, I'm even though it breaks my heart to think of Viola Davis not winning that. I, I have heard that her part isn't that big in the part in the movie but um 
But the problem with Jennifer Lawrence is, I mean, Jennifer Hudson is that she's playing such a beloved figure um, mm -hmm. in uh, with Aretha Franklin. So the acting scenes aren't even going to matter that much because she's such a good singer that just hearing her sing is going to move people. And so I feel like that's that's a that's a that's a major powder keg situation right there because everybody loves Aretha, everybody loves mm -hmm. those songs, and uh, I feel like her she she basically won the Oscar for Dreamgirls for her singing, just as sort of Catherine um, Zeta Jones won in Chicago for her her like her dance numbers, her performance um, during the dance numbers. Um, I remember asking, telling my friend, I was like, do you really think she's good enough to win? She's like, oh, yeah, she is. But it was about mm. the way that she performed in the dance numbers that really pushed her over the edge to win. So I think that, that there's a similar thing that could play out. I mean, okay, put it this way. Respect is going to have to be really bad for her to lose. And it might be really uh, bad. I, don't, I haven't gone back and looked enough, but of all the people who have won multiple Oscars, who is the closest to winning for such a similar role in performance? Similar to what? Yeah, like I, know, I, I get Jennifer had stuff won for singing. Um, oh, okay. Can she go? So what was that, guys? I was going to say Christoph Waltz. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, essentially, I mean, you know, there are. Sorry, there are nuances between both characters, but he's both performances are very similar. Right. Oh, okay, I get yeah. what you mean. Oh, I, I misunderstood the question. I just now figured it out. You mean two, winning two Oscars for roles that are so much alike? I thought mm -hmm. yeah, I thought we were talking about similar to something else. Oh, no, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. And just like what people value in them. Mm, I um, get it, yeah. I think that's a really good point, but I also think that the power of Aretha Franklin is, you know, immeasurable. People love her. And they love her music, and it's. I, I feel like it's going to be like Rami Malek, where it's like the music from the movie, um, and the performance mm -hmm. was was you know they, because people loved Queen so much, you know. Yeah. Or just the power of Judy Garland, who's been dead for fifty years, exactly. and still she was unstoppable for no right. reason. At all. She was good. I loved her, but it was no, so exactly. weird to watch her be unstoppable then. Whole no, season. No, I know, and it's true, and I feel like that. Viola Davis, um, as much as I would love to see her win, I really, really want to see her win. Netflix has a couple of situations going on with Best Actress, right? They've got Halle Berry for, for the new movie that she's just premiering tonight. I haven't seen the reviews, but they've also got Vanessa Kirby now for, for this movie that just won in Venice, and everybody's saying, oh, she's going to win, she's going to win. I'm like, yeah, right. I mean, maybe she will. <laughs> we'll see. But, um, but, you know, so they've got competition there. Um, for pushing Viola Davis, she, you know, you never know what could happen. But what I hear from that movie through the grapevine is that um, the the Oscar winner is going to be Chadwick Boseman posthumously for for his <laughs> supporting turn. We yeah. know which could push her through. I don't see. We don't even know how strong her her role is in that. Um, I'm just. I haven't heard exactly that it's a, that it's going to be. And I, nobody knows how the Aretha Franklin thing is going to turn out either. You know. I guess you just talked about all the Netflix stuff that we haven't even talked about or mentioned Hillbilly Elegy in that. Right. Hillbilly Elegy is another one. Isn't Amy Adams is in that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and she's never won. So she's going to be up too for something for lead. And then Glenn Close for supporting. And supposedly, according to a famous film critic whose name shall go not mentioned, she's going to win this year, Glenn Close, for that. 
support. A lot of Patty Lapone has anything to do with that. <laughs> oh no, Patty Lapone. <laughs> Gotta. I hope she does win because I really don't want her to to uh, I don't I don't want her to make sensible award. I really don't. She's <laughs> Do you think if she wins the Oscar this year, they'll just drop it. I hope so. I <laughs> no, really they do. Will. They will not drop it. No, they will. She's way too old. I'm Brace sorry. Yourself. I love Glenn Close. She's way too old to be playing a 50 year old Norma Desmond. I'm oh, sorry. God, she 50. just is. <laughs> <laughs> That, I don't know, know, but I think if that movie is to be made today, I think times have changed, and the sentiment of a fifty-year-old woman in that movie is different than a fifty-year-old woman in Hollywood today. Right, because sure. when she played it in the in the fifties, it was like it, it would be like the, being seventy now, kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the same thing with the Golden Girls. Like the Golden Girls were in their fifties in the eighties, and it made sense. Now we see women in their fifties like that, plain sexual beings. Hello, I'm in my 50s and I'm still very much a sexual being. Yeah. Just kidding. (laughs) Sorry. Are you a Blanche? (laughs) I'm I'm probably the Blanche, but isn't it weird that they were in their 50s and they had like old lady hair, like gray Mm -hmm. old lady hair? Like women. Yeah. Women don't do that. Now they'd have to be Glenn Close. (laughs) Glenn Close would have to be Dorothy. (laughs) That's right. I love to see them because the Golden Girls look like they're in their 70s, but they were in their Mm -hmm. 50s. That's so trippy. That's so weird because women in their 50s now are like, you know, Salma Hayek. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Halle Berry. Yeah. Halle Berry. Well, but, there was, uh, I mean, so there was that episode where, I'm sorry, we're going on this weird tangent, but there was that episode where um, <laughs> where Blanche went through menopause cause she, and she thought she was pregnant and the whole time they thought they were going to have this kid. And then I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> But they had that that old lady hair. I mean, that old lady hair doesn't come take place till like 70, age 70. I mean, look at women in their 60s now still. Look at, you know, Kris Jenner. She's in her her 60s. Come on, give me some hope here. I'm not ready for the blue hair. I'm just not. um, Shoulder pads. Oh, God. Oh, God. No, it's true, but but I, I she'd be fine. She's gonna play that part. She wasn't. She she played on Broadway. The Sunset twice. Yeah. She stole it on Broadway. Yeah. Oh, there well, you go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but but I think that's what she says. So so if we're looking at it, we've got but Chadwick Boseman winning for supporting actor, and Glenn Close winning for supporting actress. Best actor, best actress are open. I'm 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 predicting Jennifer Hudson sight unseen right now might change, but that's my prediction. Um, I don't know about Best Actor. It um, seems like Delroy Lindo has lost all momentum, doesn't it? It, it does. does. It does, but that's a bummer. I'm l- listen. January has to last until January. How does that happen? Like that's mm-hmm. just not happening. But um, but what what's coming? Like, what are our big movies? So we've got the Tom Hanks thing, Mank with uh, Gary Oldman, but he's already won. Um, uh, Denzel on a Macbeth is actually pushed till next year, so that's not coming out this year. Is it officially pushed? I heard. Yeah, somebody wrote me to tell me that it was. That's so weird because I know, I don't, I don't mind saying it now, Sasha on air, but um. From work, I know that they finished filming it a while ago. They did, but this guy wrote yeah. me just for under some weird name, and he's like, "I just want you to know that Macbeth is being pushed till 2021." 
So I'm, I'm taking his word for it, but you know, obviously if it's not, I, and I think that's because Frances McDormand has nomad land and she doesn't want to compete with herself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. There's it, Daniel Kaluuya's movie is Judas and the black Messiah. Mm. Yeah. The black Panthers, mm, right. right? Yeah. Yeah. Think it, yeah. And uh, there's Anthony Hopkins and the father, Anthony Hopkins and the father. Right. And then, yeah, Ansel Elgort's out. <laughs> I was going to say that been, about Ansel. He probably wouldn't oh. have been in anyway. But, um, no. but like, what's the big Oscar movies that are coming that, that we're waiting for? Like, the big. Do Oscar we think that, um, I don't, I haven't paid enough attention to see if it's premiered at a festival, but the um, Sofia Coppola film with uh, Bill oh, Murray. Yeah. There you go, Bill Murray. On Fox. That's one. Yeah. On, oh, yeah. That, that plays uh, in a couple of weeks at, at New York, right? Oh, is it premiering in New York? That makes sense. I think yeah. so. I think I saw it on their list because I was scrolling through the uh, films that you could rent, basically, during the yeah. um, festival. Wow. So we can just watch them however we you can. want? can. That's nuts, man. It costs $25 to watch uh, Nomadland. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and they give you a three-hour window on September 26th between 8 and 11. You can watch it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Oh, um, and um, it's interesting. FX hasn't, not FX, I'm sorry, guys, I'm in TV mode. Um, 20th Century Fox Searchlight. They haven't been talking much about that Tammy Faye movie at all. No, I wonder if that's pushed too. Yeah, because Andrew Garfield could sneak out. Right, that person. That seems right. like an Oscar yeah. role. That guy it's who... supposed to be like a slapstick comedy, right? Is it like a slap? Is it like a broad comedy? Like a... I uh, something we talked about it on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and something we saw made us think that it was. Oh, oh, I remember what you guys said. It's because it's directed by Michael Showalter, right? <laughs> yeah, I think. But Michael Showalter also did um, "Hello, My Name Is Doris," which to me was one of the saddest movies I've ever seen. I know. Yeah, uh, so, is that the Sally Field movie? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, can we like? What are the big movies that you know, it's so weird because we're also sort of conditioned to do the festival thing as being our Oscar definers, but like it's not going to be that way because it's it, we're going to get way through festival season and then we're going to get into um, December and January, and traditionally you know whatever those movies are that are coming out at that time they are going to make a splash. So, mm -hmm. I guess French Dispatch, right? There's that French Dispatch. Dune. Dune. Right. Mm -hmm. Right, Dune. That's one. Uh, like, what are the big Oscar movies, you know? Well, we already well, mentioned it. Trial of Chicago 7. Right. All right, yeah. Um, Mank, you mentioned. Mank. It's Netflix, Netflix. Do we think that the Regina King movie could become a big player? I don't know. I just don't know about that. I mean, I think, yes, sort of, kind of, maybe. But um, <clears throat> but I also think that it depends on when it is released. Um, and is it true that they're not releasing Nomadland until December? Yeah, that's what's written on the wiki page. But that is so nuts. So, like, we're, we're just in September, and it's going to be months and months before it finally releases. I mean, this is a subtle movie. You know, this isn't a... Slumdog Millionaire kind of thing, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's something that really should be released, I think, like next month. 
so people could mm. see it, you know. Uh, I don't know if it can survive the hype. Mm -hmm. What do I we mean, know about, um, oh, I'm going to go ahead and finish talking about this, because I, I, I wasn't going to say anything important. <laughs> oh, I wasn't going to say anything about that. I was just going to say that Fox Searchlight also has the soccer movie, um, that in a year where we don't have very many big things, could mm. become the, like, the Ford v. Ferrari of the day. You know, something right. that families... And oh, older, take, like, anyone take a Watiti's movie? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right, right. Uh, I'm so curious about that. You know, that is one, definitely. And I feel like, you know, when I first started my site back in 1999, the Oscars weren't till like, late February and sometimes March. Um, and so you really didn't we didn't start to kick into gear until the end of December, which is really strange, but that's how it used to be because the Oscars were so late. So like if you were a movie that was um, coming out in December, like Shakespeare in Love, you would do really well because you were coming out at the last minute, you know, the way that the Oscar race works now, it's really done between, or at least since they changed the date, which is from 2003 on, um, on 2004. Um, and so it's been September, October, November really decides the race. And the, the movies that come out in December, you know, they can come into the race like The Revenant and they can win Best Actor, but they have not won Best Picture. We haven't had a late-breaking film that came out in December that people saw in December that's won Best Picture in all of that time. So that's what we're all conditioned to do and how we're conditioned to operate. But, but the Academy voters aren't even going to start voting till the end of uh i mean to well into to february is that bizarre like usually the oscars are held in february and they're not even going to start right. voting until february <laughs> so it's going to change a lot of stuff i mean i just i have no idea when will the when will the nominations be announced when um when? sometime uh, late late uh it's either february or march well, no it's late february uh, I, I believe it's february 28th i think because it was the original oscar date oh okay oh wow not uh, let me let me double check that, but I think that's what it was. So I mean, I don't know how that's going to affect because we we haven't lived through this kind of a year, you know, since the early days. But um, but I imagine March fifteenth. I think the Sorry. something that's going to happen at the election. I think it's going to change things one way or the other, and I think it's going to change the way people look at movies and look at the Oscar race. We have no idea what's coming next in our culture and how it's going to shift. So we're all flying blind here. Whereas in previous years, we'd have a pretty good idea about now about at least 75 to 80% of how the Oscar race was going to go. Mm -hmm. Venice, Telluride, that gives us in Toronto, they used to give us a, almost a complete picture of the Oscar race, give or take like one or two movies, but not this year. So that's that. Um, How many movies did we name when we were when we were naming um, prospective best picture nominees? Did we come up with six? That seems there ought to be more than that. Um, best picture nominees. Um, so many of them we haven't seen, but so far, Nomadland is a lock. Um, 
that we've seen. Tenant maybe. Well, let's talk about Tenant's box office. Who has that information? Because I haven't been following that. Story That's the though. funny thing is they are not releasing it. They're. I mean, they're. They're. What? I mean, what? I, I, the other studios are even like. Um, even though everyone wants Tenant to do well because it will mean that Hollywood is, is not going to sink completely this year. The rival studios are wondering why Warner Brothers is not being transparent about the box office, but they just don't want to. They don't want to go into it. Well, because, it's because the numbers don't. People can't look at the numbers that are out there. The what the what the theoretical numbers that have been reported around Tenant. People can't look at that and not say it's a huge flop. Like they they can't take their head away from looking at that number and then comparing it to a normal situation and then remembering. Se only 70% of theaters are open in the United States. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I think just this weekend it made 6.7 million. Um, it dropped 29% from the opening weekend over Labor Day, which is 9.5. But, you know, they're reporting the numbers overseas, of course, where it's made $200 million and it probably will do close to three within the next month or so. But you have to look at what Warner Brothers is doing with their other properties to know that they are very disappointed and, and concerned about the numbers they're seeing with Tenet. They bumped Wonder Woman 1984 from October to Christmas. Wow. Gosh. Um, so, yeah, so um, I don't know what to say about that. I mean, I mean, I, I'm, I'm stunned. I mean, I didn't know that um, Tenet had already made close to over $200 million in Europe. That's great, or, or worldwide, or global. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's good news, isn't it? That's one good thing. <laughs> it is, but it's a very, very, very expensive Christopher Nolan movie. I think it, yeah. it, the production cost was 200 and that doesn't include, you know, mm. all the things that come after that. I mean, I, I, you know, who knows how true these things are, but I thought I read that the break-even point for this was somewhere around 400 to 500 Oh, God. God, are you kidding? Yeah, so and they that's just pretty had, dark. They had no movie. idea that COVID was going to hit. Yes. No. And the other thing that's hurting it is even the Nolan faithful that went out for it, they're not – like, film Twitter loves it, but the cinema score grade was only a B. And the – like, the Rotten Tomato Reader score, which, you know, take for what you will, is in the mid-70s, which is low for a Nolan movie, right? Even the Nolan faithful tend to – go opening weekend and rate it much higher than that. Mm. I still haven't seen it. I would love to see it, but, um, but that's discouraging. What a bummer. You know, it's like, uh, I think of that Bob Dylan line. You just kind of wasted my precious time, <laughs> but don't think twice. It's all right. Because like, you know, what could he do? Like COVID ate yeah. his movie at ate my daughter's graduation. She was going to graduate from NYU at uh, Yankee stadium. Like the moment I waited my entire life for, and she waited her entire, it was going to be like the greatest thing ever. And, and, uh, that, that fucking didn't happen. So like it's eaten everything, every good thing. Yeah. My gym has gone bankrupt. <laughs> oh, wow. Hmm. <laughs> so you know fuck you know tenant that's that you know but i i don't know could it still make best picture sure you know if if the theater's open and they re-released it and started to make money maybe um i don't know if they'll do that but they could certainly do that uh, it's hard because it sounds like people don't like it very much right um and it it feels like when we get to the Oscars, it'll be a conversation of Tenet versus Dune. 
And so we could see something like Dune steal its thunder. Right, for sure. For sure, because it's being released at a time when people will be going to the theaters. Mm -hmm. um, also, like you say, like it's it's also just a spectacular film, right? And Tenant needed that initial burst of enthusiasm from audiences, and it just didn't get it. So now people mm -hmm. are looking at it more analytically. You know, they're looking at it and saying, "Hmm, what's that movie about?" You know, it's missing yeah. the shock and awe component. And we haven't seen. It's going to take. You're going to know more about this than me, Sasha, in terms of COVID tracing, but it's probably going to take two to three more weeks until we know if people who went to the movie theater started spreading right. the disease again. And if that becomes the narrative, then you can say goodbye to any Oscar hopes. Pretty much. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that, and, and who knows, because nobody actually, everything I've heard about this virus is that it's unusual and people don't know how to predict what's going to happen with it. So they're flying blind, but my thinking is like I know anything is that it's it's already hit its first wave and it's not going to hit another maybe and maybe it will hit its own its second wave but it hasn't died down from its first wave but that it, it is starting in the process of dying down from its first wave because it's basically killed everybody it can kill and um I mean on the large number scale right like, uh, mm -hmm. like a, I hope you're right I don't I just don't know I mean I think that I don't know when people start staying more indoors and when everyone gets the sniffles from a flu or whatever right. and sneezing and coughing more. I just don't know. Well, remember, yeah. hopefully there'll be a vaccine by December. That's what Fauci said, maybe by mm -hmm. the end of the year. So once that happens, you know, for if we can trust in the vaccine and we can take it, then then we can try to get things back on track. But um, and another thing about flu season, I, I've heard that in the southern hemisphere where they have their flu season in summer in our sum during our summer. Their flu season was really light this year because everyone is so careful about right. masks and washing their hands. And so the flu season might not be bad this year. Yeah, and I heard that the common cold is with us, the flu is with us, and this this guy was listening to said COVID's probably going to be with us. Like it's going to be something that we have to deal with forever now. And we'll have to take <sighs> vaccines for it every year, maybe. I mean, we'll see. Like it's not going to be eradicated, that's for sure. And God only knows what's coming next. And even if the vaccine does come out in December, it could be another six months before it's widely available to people, don't you think? Yep. And a lot of people yeah. aren't going to want to take it because they're going to be too right. nervous, yeah. you know. But um, but I'm going to take it, man. I wish I had already gotten COVID so that I could be immune to it. But Oh, I don't know if you want to say that. I mean, I'm just, it's a possibility that you may be immune to it, but I, they, they're also saying that maybe you could be immune to it for like a month or two, but then you lose your immunity. Yeah, nobody knows anything about it right now, right, that's for yeah. sure. And a lot of some yeah. people are saying that some of us actually are immune to it already, that we have the antibodies to defend ourselves against it, even though we've not been exposed mm -hmm. to it. So that's going to take them years before they figure all that out. Mm -hmm. But um, but I don't know. I mean, I guess we'll see. Um, so let's just, before we hang up, because we've gone almost two hours now, let's mm. just, I think, or an hour, maybe just an hour, uh, two hours, yeah. Two hours? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Sorry, Clarence. We were just going to do one <laughs> no, hour. That's okay. <laughs> He's like, not three hours, so we won't. I'm going to hang up now, but I'm just going to say just to finish up our, to, to bring it all full circle, what do you guys, what grade would you give the Academy's announcement for diversity between like an A and an F? Everybody just say what you think, unless that puts you on the spot, but say what, what letter grade would you give it? 
in terms of execution, what it tries to cover, and how it, it landed? Um, Clarence has a C. I say C, and also I, a tentative sort of incomplete. I'm going to give it an incomplete because I'm just going to wait. I, you know me, I'm just a wait and see kind of guy. <laughs> and maybe it's not going to be. It could be to be like another, other things that they have said they're going to do, and then by the time it comes time to do it, they really don't do anything. So I'm just not, I don't feel like I know enough yet. All right. Jalal? I'm going to give it an optimistic B. Yeah, mm. me too. Yeah. I, th I think it was more plans and like we talked about stuff in the like then stuff they've done in the past and in the long run i think people are going to be what's most important is we're going to be talking about these things more yeah which will cause the real change i hope i give it a b because i would give it an a except for the fact that i don't think they should have messed around with the narrative part i think they should have left that alone they didn't need to do that, and it shouldn't be in there because it's awkward and embarrassing for anybody hired under those circumstances. And any film about that, people are always going to look at it as suspect. So I think that's a failure. That's why it knocks down to a B for me. But um, And I wish that they would have made it not an academy thing, but an industry thing. Like inclusion writers should be industry-wide. This should be industry-wide. And I know because of my work done with the Women's Media Center that they have some of these these programs in place at various studios and they're just frustrated that it hasn't made it to the Oscars which is where they are represented to the general public so they want that to to look less um behind the times um but so for me it, it doesn't I mean I would board I would probably say like a b minus I guess it's not quite a c but I, I think it's a good it's good intentions which raises it to a b but the fact that they imposed mandates on the narrative art part of it, I think is, is a problem for them. And I don't think they should have gone there, but that's just that. I mean, I think you can do that. You can mandate that without it being your movie has to be about this, this particular subject, especially since a lot of, um, there are a lot of backlashes and complaints about white filmmakers who try to tell black stories, for instance. Mm. And especially since they they listed that as the first as as standard A as the number one standard that, that the the cast and yeah, the and exactly. the and the subject matter were listed first and that infuriated so many people right away that they never even read the rest of it. Exactly, they were just mad from the first. It should have and said, if, "Here's all the requirements, but you can escape all these if your film happens to be about." Yeah, exactly you know? right. That's what I kind of meant to say earlier when we were on the topic is that it just didn't feel like that they should have said that that it was a requirement or even encouragement, but just that was a, if it happened to be, if you happen to feel, fulfill it this other way, then you're lucky. You know, you just got, you don't have to worry about anything else. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and, uh, but, but, but not to, not, but not to mandate it. Right. Or not that they did mandate it, but not even to suggest it, not even to, you know, say that, that that was something that they should that studios or, or should should bear in mind because I don't think that that should be the the I don't think that should be the process by which studios decide which movies get made and which ones don't. Well, sure, and of course it doesn't make your movie more palatable for the Oscar voters either. Mm. You know, necessarily, but um, I guess we'll see. I am. I mean, I mean, I don't. I just want to make clear. I, I I am absolutely all for more and more and more diverse movies being greenlit but I would not like to see a movie that doesn't 
is not as diverse failed to be greenlit yeah. just because it was diverse. Yeah. Same with me, yeah. And that's my fear is that it it puts a mandate on movies that, that struggle just to get made at all, to get any funding at all. A lot of movies, people don't know this, but a lot of movies only get funding because they are um, they ca- they are cast with a star that people know will make money. I know I dated this film producer for a long time, and one of his problems was he made all these great movies, but none of the people that he cast were, were profitable, so he didn't get any money for it. And mm-hmm. he couldn't sell it to studios because they weren't big names. That's one of the problems is that when you take a movie to a studio and you say, I want to cast it with this trans actor, for instance, and they say, I have no idea who that person is, so no, you don't get the money. And if they say, oh, it's Hilary Swank, it's like, okay, here's some money. You know, mm-hmm. right. If it's a star, they can, they can bring... So people are under enormous pressure to get movies made at all. And so it sort of is, to me, like sort of deliberately punitive to punish them for, for them not also being able to... But at the same time, for big studios, that's certainly not a problem, right? It shouldn't be a problem for Warner Brothers or Disney, mm. fucking Disney. Like, they should be able to fix this really easily. Probably every time they make a movie, it's already covered, you know? Mm. But, um, all right, you guys. It was really nice speaking with you all. And I think we covered some good ground. Thank you. Good night. All right. Same to you. Good night.